and welcome to episode number 56 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down the biggest stories in the world of sports betting, DFS, a little bit of poker, actually talking some poker today as well, some crazy stuff going on over at the World Series here in Las Vegas, but Brett, we are on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're also on Google Podcasts. Anywhere people want to tickle their ears with our sweet, sweet voices, they can pretty much do it. Yeah, we finally uh, got onto Google this week, which uh, I I guess it was a long time coming, right? Yeah, I mean, this is good. So you can find us pretty much anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. And of course, you can find us at thelines.com under that tab that says podcast. So you can listen to us on the website if you want to as well. And if you want to follow on the social medias, the Twitter specifically at the lines US at PlayPix US as well, too. All right, this is something we talked a little bit and we teased just a tad bit last week, but this is kind of the big overriding news news of the week, and that is Pennsylvania Online Sports Betting has officially launched. I know this is something we've talked about several different times on the podcast because we kept getting, I'm not going to say bad information, Brett. We were just getting dates and we were getting time schedules and frames that just were not aligning apparently, but this time we actually have a launch. Finally, after months of speculation and waiting, yes, the Sugar House Sportsbook is the first to accept real money bets via mobile and desktop in New Jersey. So if you're in PA and you have not yet signed up, definitely check out thelines.com. We have all the information you need about how to sign up, how to start betting for real money legally in Pennsylvania, and also get the best Sugar House deposit bonus in the industry. Yeah, we are, I think it's a hundred percent match up to two fifty on is. your first deposit. Yeah, so just use also- the yeah, just use the code two fifty match. That's all you got to do. And I think one of the awesome things about this is, as you mentioned, if you've been in Philly and you've been crossing over the border to go bet in New Jersey, and you had already claimed a bonus over there. One of the awesome things about this is Sugar House is actually allowing you to claim the bonus in Pennsylvania as well. So you sign up for a Pennsylvania Sugar House account and you can still you if you use our code 250 match, you're still going to get that uh, match bonus up to $250, even if you had gotten a match bonus over in New Jersey. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the app looks exactly like, well, the app in the, the mobile site looks exactly like the Sugar House in New Jersey. It's powered by Canby. It's going to have very similar odds to the book in New Jersey and the other Canby books like DraftKings and 888. All the same features, including in-game betting. And if, if you like to to really gamble, the jackpot parlays are, are there in, in Pennsylvania as well. But yeah, online sports betting, finally a thing in PA. And I'm hoping to make the trip down over the next month or so and and sign up and play some NFL futures bets, as I love to do every year. I usually send some money to friends in Vegas and do it that way. But I might actually do it in person this year. And then maybe by like July, August, we'll have some other books launch in PA like Parks or FanDuel. I'm sure by by the time football season rolls around. Betters in Pennsylvania should have several options to choose from. But, yeah, we at least have one in Sugar House in Pennsylvania right now. One thing to note, guys, if you do go to the App Store for iOS, you will not find the Pennsylvania app in there. But you can still play and um, bet on your computer. So be sure and still sign up and head over the lines and use the the code there and everything like that. But, again, you're not going to find it in the App Store. There's a little bit of stuff going on with all of that. You can get the Android app. You can get the Google app. So if that's 
the type of phone that you use, be sure and take advantage of that. But you're not going to find it in the Apple iTunes store right now. But uh, we're looking, hopefully, for that to change uh, down the line here. But you can still bet online over there. But it's here, and we're very, very excited about that. We had another launch. Uh, We talked about this on the podcast a little bit last week as well. Circa Sports here in Nevada actually launched. Circa is the brainchild of Derek Stevens. He owns the D Casino here in Las Vegas. He owns the Golden Gate Casino here in Las Vegas. He is also building the Circa Casino here in Las Vegas that will be home to the biggest sports book, at least the biggest sports betting screen for sure in the entire world. Well, they opened up on Saturday over there, Brett, and they wrote 830K in business on their opening day. They actually did take a loss of 125K because if you remember, their promotion was no juice on Saturday. So basically they had balanced lines across the board and just wanted to get people in the door and take some action and all that. So they took a little bit of a loss to you know, kick things off in style here and things like that. But the talking to, to Mike Palm, who's the guy that runs the, the book over there, he said, you know, he considers it a huge, huge success with how they did. And I was able to make it over on Sunday, check things out. I mean, listen, yeah, it's a smaller book that's going on over there. And the app has a little bit of, uh, of stuff. And we talk with, uh, we talk with fairway J a little bit later about that as well. But you know, all in all, exciting, new stuff launching, Pennsylvania, new company launching in Nevada. Of course, we're going to have some other things happening. It looks like we're we're having some states that are that are popping that maybe we didn't even think were going to pop as well. So exciting times for news in this industry. Yeah. Hey, were you able to take advantage of that no juice at Circa on Saturday? You know, I was not. I was really close to. <laughs> really, <laughs> I, I knew I knew the answer already. I just want you to tell the story. Really close to doing it. And I uh, no, I, I, I thought that the uh, the party was at 8 p.m., not 8 a.m. And uh, so, yeah, I just I missed it by about 12 hours. So, you know, it is what it is. Hey, it's fine. I was able to make it down there and check things out. So it is yeah. what it is. But wish those guys uh, a ton of luck there at Circa. NBA finals are here, Brett. I know I told you offline before the thing started. I was like, I feel like I should just pile all my money on Golden State. Good thing I did not because I had no idea that they were going to be the walking wounded. And this thing looks like to me, unless there is a real, real big turnaround on the injury front. Now there is news coming out as we tape this on Thursday that they think that they are going to get Kevin Durant back. They think Clay Thompson is also going to be back. So, I mean, there is... Things are looking up for Golden State. But again, what we've seen here is we don't really know how effective they're going to be. Are they coming back and playing injured? And if that's the case, well, they could leave with injury or could be incredibly ineffective and and all of that. And what we've seen here is Toronto really just look like the better team. That was one of the most confusing NBA lines I've seen in quite some time for game three. And and Chris Sheridan wrote an article for us. I had a game three basically asking that question. Why is Golden State favored? when this roster is an infirmary and we saw the line drop from about four and a half to two and a half or three after the clay thompson news came out again though i i don't want it to sound like this is all hindsight but i i did have several conversations with some smart nba people about game three and how many points i thought it was off and a lot of them agreed people were just i guess people were just sucked into that golden state home record and weren't considering 
the mismatches on the court. The Raptors have dominated this series for all but, what, like 15 minutes? And yeah, they're I mean, still underdogs in this series and, right now. And over at FanDuel, I mean, when we, when we look at the action that was coming in as well, it is pretty mind-boggling. You take a look, and the handle of the money line, 62% of the money was on the Warriors. I mean, like, it, it, the people were betting the Warriors as well. And I just, you know, I don't know. To, to me, kind of like you, it just seemed to me whenever, here was the deal. Even if Clay Thompson was going to play, he was going to be playing hurt. You know, and, and without Kevin Durant, I mean, you are looking at, at Steph Curry really and truly, I mean, a, a, a basically an injured Andre Iguodala as well. Like, and yeah. of course, Boogie Cousins is out there just limping around and stuff. I mean, this is you were looking at Steph Curry having to beat this team essentially by himself. And so it was it was a pretty shocking number. It's really hard to watch a Boogie out there like this because th- that guy has been dominant for so many years. And he's just kind of plodding around. He was oh, he was fine in game two. He had some very nice moments in game two, but he was just plodding around that uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night. And it was it was tough to watch. And they, they just got destroyed out there. Yeah. The total number of bets on the spread were actually on the Raptors over at FanDuel. But the money still skewed to the Warriors. Sixty percent of the money was on the Warriors, which is really, really crazy. Now, people did cash in very, very well on this bet. Steph Curry, the over-under for his total points was 32.5, and and I imagine as soon as Klay Thompson was announced that he was going to be out, everybody just pounded the over on Steph Curry, knowing that he was going to have to try and do this basically all by himself. 96% of the bets were on the over 32.5, and and it got there easily as he goes for 47 points in that game so well done 96 percent of you out there and the four percent that said under what the hell were you thinking who where were the points going to come from seriously exactly yeah i mean just pile everything over on steph curry last night i think he had like seven rebounds in the first quarter (laughs) he was just out there playing by himself and keeping them in the game for a little while anyway but yeah i mean that was it was just you know the guy has no help right now he has no help and what we've what we've seen here is with the mvp the odds have shifted dramatically here um, from where we were, you know, just a a little bit ago when we were talking about the beginning of this series. Now we've got Curry at minus 115, Leonard at minus 104 when it comes to the series MVP. And this is actually really only one good game from Kawhi. You know, I mean, the first two games, he was actually pretty quiet here. So interesting to see his number move so much. I don't see anybody other than Curry or Kawhi winning at this point, though. I mean, certainly right. if, if Golden State comes back and wins the series, Curry's going to get all the recognition for it because he's the only guy that's been playing. And Kawhi, I guess, has just been the most steady player for the Raps so far. He hasn't been great, but I mean, Siaka was was good in games one and three, but he kind of he was invisible in game two. Lowry was great in game three, but he was really bad in, in the first two games. So I mean, if you're betting MVP right now, I think it's between Curry and Leonard and I don't actually don't think that the odds on those two are all that bad right now yeah I mean I my whole strategy in this was because I laid off of game three and I was actually kind of hoping the Raptors were going to win and then I would be able to pile on the Warriors after the series odds shifted a a, a great deal because I assumed that they were going to get at least a little bit healthier but that is not the case actually over at FanDuel Sportsbook the Raptors minus 102, Warriors minus 114 to win the NBA championship here. So the odds do not reflect really that at all. I thought I'd be able to at least get on the Warriors at a little bit of plus money, and that's just not the case here. I mean, the the war and listen, we've seen this time and time again, and we certainly understand what this Warriors team can do, and we certainly understand that if they are able to get healthy, 
you know, with your eyeballs, you assume that they are the superior team and all that. But I mean, this is a lot of assumption. It is. It's almost like they're begging you to take the five and a half right now. Like it's like they know something and they're just begging people to take Toronto. I, w- I wouldn't touch this until we know a little more and we'll, we'll have more information, uh, Thursday night after practice and the well, Chris Sheridan put together a piece about, um, how to attack game four. But man, that, that game last night was, uh, I mean, it wasn't much of a game at all, really. Big bets and big tickets. Talk about it every single week on the podcast over at the Westgate. They took a $4,000 bet on the Lakers to win the NBA championship next year at 18 to 1 odds. Of course, that moved the line pretty significantly because that's going to put a decent amount of liability on the Lakers already this early in the season the line moved to 12 to 1 after that bet so whoever this better is there Brett is banking on the Lakers being able to recruit some help for LeBron James because this iteration of this team ain't winning nothing yeah probably not I mean look the 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 Warriors aren't going to be the Warriors next year. So, I mean, like, somebody's going to come in and have some value, I guess. We just don't know who it's going to be yet. I mean, I guess the Lakers are certainly going to be one of the teams making a push to be the team that replaces the Warriors in the West. But this is uh, – I mean, I thought I thought that line was juiced to begin with. I, I didn't like the Lakers at 18. And now, of course, you know, now that this big bet came in, it's moved to 12, I think, right? Yeah, moved to 12 and – I mean, I can only assume this better is assuming that at the end of the day, they are going to they're going to be major, major players and and land Anthony Davis. I mean, you just have to assume that that's the assumption and then probably one more player as well, because there's there's just, you know, some pretty good teams in the east. They're not going anywhere. And then, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, the, the the Warriors won't be the Warriors per se, but. They'll still have Steph. They'll still have Draymond. You know, it's it's. Uh, they're gonna have to look. They're gonna have to get some depth because yeah. what, what, what we're seeing right now, they cannot win without. When they're, they're 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 five deep. That's it right yep. now. Yep, absolutely. So interesting there over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands. Guy threw down twenty five thousand dollars on a three leg parlay. That was the Red Sox money line over the Yankees. The Nationals money line over the Reds. And the Warriors' money line over the Raptors. And with that $25,000 bet, Brett, he took away $185,000. I'll tell you what. I w- what, is, what is the bankroll of these people making $25,000 three-leg cross-sport parlays? Well, that's the question we always ask. Like, how many of these bets is this guy throwing down every week? And he just <laughs> just happened to hit this one. And of course, FanDuel is going to promote it because they want people to know that people are hitting these big bets. But yeah, that's that's an excellent question. Like, uh, is is this guy putting this big bet down when he shouldn't, or is he just a massive whale that's trying to go for the big score? But um, yeah, this it's a nice one. It was, I mean, just a just a hell of a score for for this fellow. I mean, one hundred and eighty five thousand dollars is pretty 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 amazing for a a parlay there so good on him just a little bit this is not a big bet or whatever but i mean hey we're going to pass along information that might be of use to you so if you're going to be at the FanDuel sportsbook this weekend saturday june the 8th from 8 to 10 p.m if you are a ufc fan there is going to be a ufc light heavyweight champ a lightweight champion at the um Actually, at the FanDuel Sportsbook there, Dustin Poirier is going to sign autographs, and he'll be there from 8 to 10. So if you want to 
go over there and get a an autograph from a UFC champion, by all means, go over there and see Dustin Poirier. Talk to him. Say something about Louisiana, and he might do something. Even he might take a picture with you or something. Dustin, a little <laughs> here, a little inside information. Dustin Poirier is from Louisiana, so you there. There's my contribution to you, Brad. I hope somebody takes that information and he gives them like you know something special or whatever. There you go. That's pretty cool. Hey, look, if, if you're in. If you're in the Meadowlands on Saturday, I mean, look, take in the Belmont. Belmont's at what? Yeah, there six, you go. Six fifty-seven, somewhere around there, right after the race. You can meet uh, a light heavyweight champion. There That's you go. Cool. Yeah, look at that. Um, all right, guys. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we had Jay Ginsbach stop in with us yet again. Fairway Jay over on the Twitter machine, and of course, that's how he, you might know him from Play Picks and the Lions. Talk a little bit of poker. He was able to get in some stuff over at the World Series. Talk a little bit about the opening of the Circus Sportsbook, and of course, the goods that you came to hear from him about the Belmont Stakes. Let's talk to Jay. Welcoming back to the show, Jay Ginsbach. You know him better as Fairway Jay. You've seen his work on the lines. You've seen his work on play picks. Jay, thanks so much for coming back with us this time, and this time not having to do it from a Starbucks. (laughs) Ready to go, guys. Glad to be on the tee with you again. So before we get into what we really want to talk about here in the Belmont and how to take a look at all of that, I know you made it down to the Rio. You were able to take in some poker. And one of the one of the most crazy ideas that the WSOP has come up with, and it turned out to be a, I think from their aspect, a, a massive success, the biggest live poker tournament in the history of live poker tournaments. But you did play the Big 50. Talk a little bit about that and how that went down. Yeah, the big 5-0 or the big 50 event was uh, came up with uh, the direction with the 50th anniversary. And I think from their perspective, you agree that it, it's been a pretty big success. The numbers were over 28,000, 28,371 to be exact. They paid out 15 percent of the field. So over 4,200 were paid. I did plan it and I made it uh, into day three. Midway through day three, I went out a little over a thousand players left and I the only there just some logistics concerns when you have that <laughs> massive of a field and and the, I think the biggest one was once people were knocked out when they hit the money and then again yesterday in day three with so many people getting knocked out at the same similar time frame they had to wait in line to then provide identification to get the their uh, confirmation then they could go cash in fact i haven't even cashed in yet there was another line i waited a little over about an hour and then there was another line to get to cash out which was just too long so i think you know they've got a number of people working there i think all in all it's it's been a success but there are some issues they got to kind of iron out and they also i don't think had enough poker chips believe it or not there were some mixed colors with uh, different colored chips for the same same five thousand denomination for example at different colors and it was a little confusing at times for not only the players but the dealers but i think all in all this one's a you know God, it's a huge number of players to get through and and have participate. And I think it's good for poker when you can include now this year a record 11 events of a thousand dollar entry or less. Uh, Six of those are live and the others are online. So I think they're bringing more affordability for the um, consumer and the popularity popularity of poker. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, these tournaments at the World Series of Poker, they keep, the buy-ins keep getting smaller and smaller every year, which attracts more players into the building. But you can certainly make the argument that it also harms some of the other tournaments going on at the same time. We saw that this week with all the delays in the other tournaments because of the payout backups. Do you feel like these gimmick events are good 
or bad for the long-term health of the WSOP? There's definitely crossover with now having this many events. I think I think an event, um, a, a few at the four or $500 level is fine. And I believe, and, you know, if you ask the professionals that really play at the top end, they're probably going to say no. But uh, I, I believe for poker as a whole, you know, you're, you're encouraging popularity um, to, and, and people to be involved for the city of Las Vegas benefits. There's so many other tournaments going on at a number of other hotel casinos as well that benefit which I, with their turnouts because more players are in town. So I think it's overall a win-win. But uh, I think if you did ask the top professionals who play in a number of events that the fact that there's going to be a little more waiting, that there's going to be some crossover, there's more people in all these rooms and a little more congestion that they might prefer not to have that. But uh, we'll see. You know, it, it may not be at the Rio uh, for years ahead. There's, there's other right. options coming, potentially being announced in the, in the future as well. Yeah, it was. I think whenever you kind of look at it, I mean, I know a lot of these guys don't really care that uh, the, you know, the Rio and the Caesars and everything is trying to, to make a profit with all this. But at the end of the day, it is a business venture for them. And so getting more asses in the seats is certainly better for them. More people in hotel rooms, more people buying food, buying drinks, all the things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, they they are accomplishing, I think, what they set out to accomplish now another one of the things going on here was this past saturday the opening of the circus sportsbook i was actually a little bit confused i thought it was 8 p.m not 8 a.m and so i didn't make it down on saturday I didn't get down there until sunday but you were there on saturday so how was the opening yeah, I talked to Derek Stevens and Mike Palm and Derek, uh, a, lot, a lot of Las Vegas regulars down there, including sportsbook directors, operators, supervisors, and, and certainly some of the big gamblers uh, as well. And they had some high limits on soccer and they had, uh, you know, uh, even money lines on, on Major League Baseball. So I think... Um, you know, I think with a new operator, there's encouragement there. Derek's taking a, I don't think a chance. I think he just is involved in the, the sports industry and the, the business of uh, wanting to promote. And he's also got an interest in VSIN and does some crossover there. The new venue that'll be at the Circa in 2020 is going to have a, apparently the world's largest sports book, it looks like, in a, a three level where they'll have additional radio and uh, uh, studios and such. But I think this opening was, a, uh, was good and a success overall you know i was pretty impressed and pleased you know it's easy to get in and out of there the valet is convenient the the, the downtown situation to, for that particular morning wasn't bad at all and i think the sports book uh, you know has a good look to it it's not very big of course but the, certainly they've got the biggest one coming in 2020 you guys are both tapped in in vegas there is, is circa going to be a, a player in in nevada um, what do you think as far as the, the 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 revenues, Matt? I think with with the the new opening, it's going to be a, a real something to see. Um, yeah, I mean, from my aspect, and and I'll see what how you have your experience has been so far. Um, the app has been a little bit glitchy for me, and um, I've had a se several times where it kind of will just crash randomly on me and, and different things like that. I understand that's not Circus' fault. I mean, they're they're hiring another company to provide the technology and to to do all of that. But, you know, I think with our options here in Nevada certainly not being very great, um, I think if someone could finally just come through with a really good app, I, th I mean, I think that could really kind of shoot you to the top here just because I think people are really craving really want an app that that works well and functions well and does the things that you want it to do and is reliable and 
and all of those things. And I don't know. I just have not. I've just not found that in Nevada yet. Yeah, the, the ease and convenience of having the app is exponentially important. I think Derek recognizes that Derek Steen's the owner who's going to put this out. And if they can get through any of the glitches that potentially may be there, it's, uh, it is it is going to be a home run. I, I, I'm glad to see, you know, we'll see how they operate. He says he's going to take uh, uh, major limits. And I think for most players, they want to know that they're going to get paid. I'm, I'm disappointed in a few things with regards to like a CG tech, formerly Cantor, where they're in a sense, kind of screwing over customers with some of the payouts that happen and the parlays. And then you've got a, you've got all the venues that continue to support that. I mean, they're leasing space in there, so it obviously must be about money and revenue they're bringing in because I want to see some operators that are maybe a little smaller. You know, there's there's a tre- TI or Treasure Island is just the one operation, as is Wynn. And I, I think Circa has an opportunity to make a make a statement here with a, as, a, as a small operator that can do it the right way and take some good limits. Definitely. I agree with that as well. I mean, listen, I'm certainly really- rooting for them because coming into the market and I mean it's the first new actual entity in over five years to to get going here and so I'm certainly rooting for those guys I've done some some business with Derek in the past and and like you said he's a very big sports betting advocate of course with his stuff with VSIN as well and I'm rooting for these guys a, a ton here but one of the reasons we have you on here is your expertise in horse racing and of course we do have the Belmont Stakes coming up here i hope that people are going to be paying attention before we get into your thoughts on it what's the buzz been on your end i mean you're a little bit more tapped into this than we are is 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 there buzz outside of the people who are kind of hardcore into horse racing i think because a little more promotion and marketing and the triple crown certainly is going to bring the extra incentive but the 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 racing day itself is huge at belmont it's just not the belmont stakes it's it's a huge day of racing uh the the belmont festival goes on and and from friday through the weekend it's 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 a big time uh and and promotion to be able to have that level of racing in events the belmont stakes of course when it has a triple crown as it did in 2015 and 17 with the winners but also back in 2014 when California Chrome was running for the Triple Crown and came up short, they were setting, you know, handle records that um, were only matched now last uh, in, in 2018, came, coming close to the all-time all handle. This year they won't, you know, bring that kind of uh, betting interest, but as a Triple Crown race, it's certainly going to draw. And you have the Preakness winner, War of Will, in here. You have one of the top three favorites from the Kentucky Derby who finished third, Tacticus. And those two are the prohibitive favorites breaking from the outside. And uh, I think, you know, the difference in this race, of course, is none of these horses have ever run a mile and a half. It's the uh, test of a champion. And, and when you have some uh, newer horses or new shooters coming in that aren't as familiar for most of the racing fans, it offers an opportunity for maybe a, a decent payday as well if we can get outside of a favorite. But I think Tacticus is definitely going to be in there this 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 Saturday. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of Ta- Tacitus or Tacitus going into the Derby 9-5 to five here. Lined up next to War of Will on the outside going into the Belmont here. What do you think about the two frontrunners and the positions they're in at the start? Well, if you uh, – the, the the horse that's, I think, going to break out on top. Let me just double check because um, the – is it Joe? Yeah, Jovia is going to be the pace pace setter in this in this race, and I don't, you know, that's that's not a horse that's going to be there. I think at the end, but there's going to be the stalkers and the pressers that are going to be able to. The, the key, of course, with these races and at this distance is to have reserve and energy and and not certainly use it in the first half or three quarters of the race. And um, 
the, 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 the long shots that I'm looking at, and I think you always have to consider, is Todd Fletcher's. Um, obviously, this is home track, and it, this is where he's excelled. He's had three Belmont wins, but seven seconds, four thirds, and 35 starters overall. And he's got Spinoff in here, who is going to be one of the pressure pressers and intrepid heart who will be just off the pace possibly pressing as well and i think for value perspective those two are definitely some to consider in this particular race so i'm guessing those are two of the best bets you just sent me for your article at play picks i have not looked at them yet give me give me some of your best bets are you looking at the favorites here or do you do you see a long shot coming through like we saw at the Derby? Well, I had War of Will in the Preakness, but I'm not playing him here. Um, so I, I definitely think you have to include Tacitus on top, and he's he's the one to beat. I think as the – forget the favorite. He's the best bred. This is a Tappet Colt. Tappet uh, sired uh, Colts by its – by Tappet have won three of the last five. Tappet was the last in 2017. But Tacitus, had, if you saw his derby run, he was um, set back a little bit. He was having mud kicked in his face early in the race and then started to make his route. But there's so much traffic, he had a little tough time coming through the derby field around the turn. But he was moving late, had a good gallop out, and I think he's definitely one you want to consider for the win. Now, there's not the value on him, certainly. Uh, maybe he goes off even at even odds or just above uh, come, come race time. But when you start to include some of the long shots in your exotic plays or exactas and trifectas like Intrepid Heart spinoff, potentially a Sir Winston who's a deep closer who could come in, definitely bred for the distance as well. That's where you have to consider. And you have to be willing to throw some of these out. Um, if it's both favorites and that's what you consider, then that's what you do. But I'm I'm not going to have War of Will in the win spot this week. And, and I think uh, you have to look at um, some of these that are going to be uh, available Thing, thing, things uh, as well to consider are the type of races. You had Spinoff, who was second in the Louisiana Derby, broke way from the outside in the Kentucky Derby and just never got a good trip. You have to kind of throw that race out. And then Intrepid Heart had a really bad start in the Peter Pan. He basically gave three lengths to the starters when he was stumbled at the start and then still came back to run pretty well. And Todd Fletcher, again, the trainer of both of those and is high on really, really each of them. So they're training pretty well coming in. And those are long, longer shots that you can consider as potential paydays. So I was got- really sad to sorry. I was really sad to see we were not getting Bodie Express this weekend. What is what is Bodie Express? doing this weekend <laughs> not running here that's for sure. <laughs> oh man i really i really really wish he was here now jay for people who out there who are not really really hardcore betters here when it comes to horses what what do you kind of recommend when it comes to adding a little juice to the to these races and what's the most fun type of best would you say for like a completely recreational better you know throw a few exacta boxes together or throw a few trifecta boxes together or just bet some long shots to win or something what what have you seen that kind of really produces the most joy for people who are you know not going to really invest a ton of time in research here they're not really going to invest a bunch of money into it what's kind of the best way to go about this from a betting standpoint I think you point out a couple of good things, Matt. First of all, most of the people that are betting are probably doing it recreationally. They don't have time to study, and frankly, neither do I much. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hooked in pretty well with a lot of people in horse racing, which it's, it's such a tough game to beat with the, the takeout and such. But I get information provided to me in some of the reports, and I just kind of follow uh, some of the, some of the how the horses are doing. I don't study past uh, the, the, the form. I don't have time to do that, but I have a lot of insight, and then I take a look at the horses when I'm providing some information at different sites and writing up what I think. And and the thing about um, 
the betting that I found is I don't like to really box as much unless I really can narrow in on, on a couple keys. I rather key, key horses, meaning I'll take a Tacitus and put them on top and then take two or three in the second spot of a trifecta and, you know, three to five. And the Derby two years ago, I just pulled my hair out when I had the winner on top, always dreaming and like nine and second and nine and third and left off the one horse out of the second spot, but had him in the third. And it was, you know, instead of a $40 ticket to spend 45, I missed a shot at a $4,000 payoff. And so I think you want to isolate, I think, and when you, you isolate one or two horses on top, and then you can add more if you're doing trifectas or perchance superfectas, which are, you know, or high, super high fives. I think they're very difficult to hit. But I think, you know, if you're, if you, if you're on a, 30, 50, even a hundred dollar budget. There's ways to do that still. And, and you get more bang for your buck. If you can keep particular horses on top rather than boxing. Here's a question I have, because I have just started getting into horse betting, just working in the industry. Is it worth targeting horses that aren't being bet on? We're seeing their odds continue to drop and drop. That's because of the pyramid mutual system, right? Are we, are we looking for horses that open at, say, a 15 and have dropped to a 25 or 30? Well, that was the case in the Derby with Country House. And, you know, right. Country House just got let go. Be, you know, it's it's such a – again, there's a lot of um, – remember, if you've got recreational bettors or the public putting a lot of money into the pools, they're following what um, the media is, is pointing out. And, and those are the horses that were winning. Country House had run third in the Arkansas Derby and, and was um, one that had run well on an off track. And no question, he was let go at, at ridiculously long odds in that race. And so there is an example you can find him. You won't find that kind of uh, return in a 10-horse field versus 14 or 15 or in the Derby case, 20. But um, I think that the horses here, like Bourbon War was kind of the wise guy's choice in the Preakness. He got bet down and he might certainly get let go a little higher in this race. He's still not one I'm quite as confident in, but I think the horse that's going to take money that will be an underlay and not as good a value is Master Fencer, the Japanese horse um, that is not as good as Lonnie, uh, the Japanese horse Lonnie that was here years ago and finished, I think, third in the Belmont. This isn't as good a horse, whereas I think Sir Winston has more stronger, deeper pedigree and can come a little deep from the back and be a, a little better value horse. But I still think spinoff or trepid heart with Todd Fletcher, just you, you can't ignore a trainer who's had such success and points to this race and how he prepares his horses. And if he's got the distance and the pedigree, those two, I unfortunately think will get bet down a little bit, but still offer up some value. Whereas even my winner, uh, Tacitus probably won't have much value. And I think war of will is the one we're going to try to beat here as one of the favorites. He is Jay Ginsbach. You can find him on social media at Fairway Jay. You can find his article at Play Picks, of course, doing great work at the lines as well. Jay, we are going to we are going to use your expertise on this podcast several times throughout the course of this year. So we appreciate every time you make some time for us, buddy. Look forward to it, guys. Enjoy uh, the weekend and talk to you again next week. U.S. Open coming up. Always good to have Jay on the show, guy is very knowledgeable about several, several different things. And who even knew that he was a poker player? I did not know he was a poker player. Yeah, he wrote a few poker articles for me last year. So I knew he was I, I know he's been covering it 
for many years. He's been at the World Series for, I mean, I don't even know, probably longer than I have, which is a long time. So, uh, yeah, this guy knows a lot about a lot in the world of gambling, poker, golf, uh, horses, which is great because I don't know anything about horses, and he's our (laughs) go-to there. So, um, yeah, great to have Jay on again. Yeah, as we mentioned, the WSOP Big 50 was the biggest poker tournament in history, 28,371 entries, $13.5 million prize pool on a $500 buy-in Brett, so a five hundred dollar buy-in generating a thirteen and a half million dollar prize pool. They followed it up with event number nine, which was a six hundred dollar no limit deep stack event. They had sixty one hundred and fifty people play in that one for a three point two two million dollar prize pool. First place in this six hundred dollar buy-in event is going to walk away with three hundred ninety eight thousand dollars, nearly four hundred k on a $600 buy-in here. So I think, you know, as we alluded to in that interview, I mean, I, not only with the with the big 50 with that $500 buy-in, but you see they follow it right up with a $600 buy-in that draws 6,150 people. I understand if you're up there playing 10Ks and 25K buy-ins and stuff, how it can be a little bit of annoying for there to be just so, so many people around all the time and all that. But, you know, this is a business. These guys are trying to make money. This is a weird time for the World Series. There's all these rumors that maybe the Rio is going to get sold. Maybe this thing is going to relocate to the Strip somewhere. All kinds of rumors and things going around. And, you know, they're they're trying to draw more people, get more people interested. And frankly, you and I were got into the poker industry when, when it really had started to boom and it was kind of at its peak and all of that. Well, I was in it a little bit before, but as far as like coverage and stuff, And, you know, there was a lull and I would even say probably a fairly big decline, you know, sometime in the last five or six years. And events like this, when you see 28,000 people showing up to play a tournament and then, you know, a couple days later, another 6,100 people playing another event like that, that's, you know, outside of the main event where we always have big numbers. I just think that maybe at least in the short term, maybe you don't have to do this forever, but I mean, at least in the short term, getting more people back interested in poker, getting more people playing poker, getting more people into Vegas, into the, you know, well, wherever it is, if it is the Rio, if it's, you know, Caesar, where if the link, whatever, wherever in the hell it might be getting more people in the door. I just don't see a lot of downside to this. Yeah, they went they went hard <laughs> to start out this series. I mean, with these two uh, low buying events and the one, the five hundred dollar had no rake. You put no rake on a poker tournament, people are going to show up in droves. And I don't think the WSOP was prepared for this turnout uh, either. I mean, we, I, I'm I'm sitting back from afar, but I'm seeing reports of players urinating in the parking lot because of long lines, the bathrooms. Players uh, being forced to play in like storage closets and empty bowling alleys because of space uh, space problems. Jay talked about them having to use different chips for the same denomination. So, I mean, certainly some logistical issues. uh, And there were people who were angry that they came out to Vegas and were seated in some random vacated room in the Rio instead of, you know, in the Amazon room where there's so much history. And, you know, that's what you go out to play for. But. There are also a lot of people who were just happy to be a part of history. I mean, this was the biggest tournament ever. And just to say that you were part of that is pretty cool. You know, I think whenever you talk about not being prepared, I think you could probably get that just in the in the guarantee, right? So they guaranteed five 
million dollars in this tournament and they ended up with a 13 and a half million dollar prize pool to to get that five million dollars obviously you only needed ten thousand entries they got twenty eight thousand three hundred and seventy one so they literally more than doubled what they would have needed to make that guarantee so i think they undershot what this was actually going to be and you know look I, I guess it's better to undershoot than overshoot when it comes to that. I mean, you, I guess you would certainly would have hated to had to pay out of pocket on that guarantee or something like that. But I think they, I think they know what they're up to now, what they're into now, and I'm sure we'll see a bigger guarantee next year. I'm sure we'll see some different layouts and some different things. And you know, I mean, again, when you follow it up with a six hundred six hundred dollar event that that draws another sixty one hundred. And 50 people, I just don't think this is going away, you know, and and I understand the frustrations for some of the higher limit players and all that. But I think what they've got to understand, Brett, and, you know, look, I understand I get when it's your livelihood and your living that you're you really are, you know, feel like you're the center of the universe. And when it comes to all this, but at the end of the day, they're the vast minority, you know, I mean, yeah, like, like yeah. they're they're just the vast minority when it comes to this and. 99.5 probably more probably 99.8 percent of every person that registers for a tournament for the world series of poker is some level of amateur some level of novice and some of these people have never even played in a big poker tournament before in their entire life and so the the world series just has to accommodate those people yeah and staying on that did you see what they did with the the prize pool there was a million dollars guaranteed for first place they basically kept that there and paid out and they didn't gave uh pay increases to like second, third, fourth. So they, they basically just flattened the payout so that more people got paid and paid more instead of just increasing the first place money and going after that huge top payout. I thought that was fantastic and something we've been talking about uh, with these football handicapping contests right. too. This, you know, Bring people back. Give them a story to tell. They cashed in the biggest tournament ever. And they will come back. Yeah, so I agree. Great job uh, to the uh, WSB there. A hundred percent. Another big sporting event going on right now, guys, the French Open. And the reason we bring up tennis here, I know a lot of you guys probably don't bet tennis here, but we do have two of the very premier names in all of the sport playing against each other and a third that is still in the tournament here whenever we take a look at it. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are playing, are meeting up in the semifinals of the French Open and Nadal with his dominance on clay comes in at minus 800 over Roger Federer, who is a plus 550 underdog in this. Now, if you want to bet this, you're going to need to bet this pretty much as soon as you hear this podcast, because it does happen kind of in the middle of the night on Friday. So something you're going to uh, middle of the morning, I should say, on Friday morning. So certain, certainly something you're going to need to bet. As you hear this, if you want to get down maybe a little bit of money on Federer, listen, I understand, Brett, I I get these odds. Nadal has just been such an incredibly dominant player on clay and his style suits clay so, so, so well. And he is really and truly just owned Roger Federer on on this surface. And so while the odds seem crazy because you just know how good Roger Federer is, they're probably about right. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, I haven't followed tennis at all this year. So look, just looking at it, it's shocking to see Federer at plus 550 in a match. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Nadal, I mean, that this is his this is his surface. And uh, what's what's Federer been up to this year? I mean, he's obviously in the semifinals here, but I mean, is, what's what's his track record? Is, is he dropping off at all? 
No, no. I mean, he's still at, at at the top here. I mean, he is one of the you know four best players in the world right now. And that third guy I was talking about, Novak Djokovic, still in this tournament. He's going to face Dominic Team. He is a minus two ten favorite over Team, who comes back at one seventy two for you there. Very, I mean, so you're going to get a premier final here no matter what because you're either going to have Nadal or Federer in the final. You're most likely going to have Djokovic. Even if not, Dominic Team very much a up-and-coming superstar in tennis. And so it's going to be it's going to be at least one superstar, maybe two superstars in the final here of the French Open. But again, if you want to get those bets in on this, you're going to need to do it as you're listening here because that thing is going to happen in the middle of the night, so you don't want to have to deal with all that what's what's the what's the Nadal line against Djokovic for Ooh, Sunday I would guess he's going to be minus five probably wow minus five maybe minus 450 something like that he's just that guy he's just that good on clay you know what I mean he's just he's just that dominant on clay yeah he's just that dominant it's just it's it could not suit his style I mean like he'll sit and rally with you forever he gets to everything I mean it's just it, it slows the ball down obviously the clay so he can get to even more stuff it's just it's just really and truly he'll grind you down Nadal just built 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 for clay um let's take a look at this as we close things out here Brett uh, why don't you tell everyone about this article that came up on the ringer it started making the rounds across sports betting Twitter certainly made it into our slack chat and with our company they wrote about you know a trip to new jersey and what they kind of found when it comes to sports betting in new jersey yeah this writer for the ringer followed around a uh, a sports better who's known as spanky i can't remember his, his his real name but he's certainly one of the more well-known uh betters especially in the east coast um high stakes better for a long time both in vegas and in new jersey and basically just followed him around and what spanky i feel like what he wanted to show here is that sports books are not treating professionals and casual betters fairly that's certainly uh my biggest takeaway is that spanky wanted to tell his story about how difficult it is now for sports or professional sports betters in this new world of online gaming with these upstart companies like DraftKings and FanDuel and even like I mean William Hill's been around for a long time but just the European influence here on the US um we there was a lot of positive feedback on this article and it was very well written uh, the author is clearly a talented storyteller and it was an entertaining read just because of his abilities there but the tone and the way the characters like Spanky were painted, that's the problem I have with these articles. I feel like we keep hearing about these sob stories of the old school professional sports better not getting the limits they feel they deserve at these books. And it's just it's lunacy to me. Yeah. So if you're looking for this article and you want to read it for yourself, it is at the dot com. It is called Requiem for a Sports Better just to kind of give you. A real quick synopsis is here, here. It says gambling on sports has never been more high stakes or more accessible, but with the invasion of Europe-based companies in the game, the pros are feeling squeezed and routinely getting banned from plying their trade. Is this the end of the professional sports better? I mean, the answer is quite simply no, Brett. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to be able to make bets. I think a lot of these guys are... I, I certainly know this just from personal experience and from anecdotally talking to people. 
a lot of people throw around like band, 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 band. The, a lot of these guys like aren't necessarily getting banned. They're getting limited. And then when you mm-hmm. get and then when you get limited, you know, you just you kind of start looking at other places and stuff like that because you're trying to get down on certain limits and however it might be. I mean, you know, I, I get I, I get limited in 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 Vegas here, especially in game. And it just is what it is. Right. I mean, it's just part of the 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 thing that we do i mean i the the notion that these companies are supposed to make it easy for sports bettors to take their money is just kind of laughable to me i mean i they're still for-profit businesses right like this isn't just like one of those things that they're they're putting out there and they're fine with just like completely taking it uh you know taking it every single time every single week and that's just not the way that this works, you know, I mean, these sports book, these people that work in these sports books and these guys that are running these sports books, their jobs are on the line if they get too far in the red. I mean, the whole the whole reason that they're employed is to try and balance some of the action is to try to get some money on one side and then take some money back on the other side and kind of do these different little things like that. And that's part of the art of it. That's part of the the the, the reason that these guys are, are are even employed in the industry. So I don't know, man, like I I. I have some empathy for these people who have been able to do this much easier in the past. And, you know, with technology, you know, the other thing that I think that's not being brought up here, Brett, is not necessarily that it's these European companies that are coming in and and making this so hard and, and all that. It's like, well, if you were a pro sports better, you know, for the last 20 years, you have to look at where was technology 20 years ago and where's technology now? It's not necessarily that these people are squeezing you or the whatever. It's just technology has changed. It's easier to track things. It's easier for algorithms to say like, ah, no, we don't want to take that bet because we took this bet and we did whatever and all that. Like, it's not even necessarily that they're cracking down on pros, in my opinion, as it is just the fact that they've gotten a little bit more efficient. They've gotten a little bit more technologically advanced and you know that that probably just makes it tougher on a lot of these guys yeah the game has changed and, and the entitlement of some of these betters thinking they're owed the right to gamble for a living is just dumbfounding to me now whether books should be banning or limiting sharps and whether that's a good business it's a debate practice, for another day right yeah, it yeah, is right that's a debate I for another I, day I think it's fair to say that it's mo- you know, most successful books in Vegas happily accept sharp, sharp action for a number of reasons, but that's up for the book to decide. If they don't take your action, then go somewhere else. Go bet offshore if you want to do this for a living because it's apparent here early on in New Jersey that many of the operators are catering to a very different subset of better, and they're telling sharps to essentially take a hike, and they have every right to do so. They do, and and as we just mentioned, I mean, listen, if, if this is something that you want to do for a living – maybe you just still need to live in Vegas, right? I mean, because like, yeah. in Vegas, MGM is going to take your big bets. Uh, Derek Stevens says Circa is going to take your big bets, you know, and and we hear about other big bets that get taken at the Westgate and they get taken at some of these other places. And so, you know, the the banning of of bettors at a lot of these places is doesn't really have anything to do with the betting aspect of anything. It's you'll get banned if you're super rude to staff, you know, like you'll get banned if you've, if you got caught, got caught trying to cheat somehow, or you were, or maybe you were cheating in the, in the pit at at that casino. And they're like, yeah, well, we don't want to deal with a guy who's going to cheat in the pit. We certainly don't want to give them any sports book business, whatever it might be, but there are reason guys get banned out here. But like these stories of like left and right of these guys getting banned because of being winning sports betters or with stuff like that, like it just, it, they're few and far between, you know? Yeah. There are some books in Vegas who do have limits. I mean, there, there are yeah. 
certainly two at the top of my mind. I won't say them on on the pod here, but there are two that have been you know very quick to to put limits on some of the sharps. But for the most part, you know, you're going to be able to get big bets down in Vegas. So that might be your best play. Yeah, if that's what you want to do uh, for certain. And I mean, look, you know, look, I've gambled in some way, shape or form for the last 20 years, be it poker, DFS, sports betting, you know, all, you know, combination of all three at the same time. And I really have never expected anything from any of these providers other than just a fair game. And that's that typically goes back to the online poker days where, you know, a lot of these companies were kind of fly by night companies and certainly had questionable business practices to say the least. Um, You know, and, and from the DFS side of things, yeah, there was a couple of different companies that had to get bailed out because they had bad business practices as well. But as, as well, but by and large, the DFS industry got, you know, I would say got it right. You know, I mean, there were, like I said, there were a couple of different companies who, who had, you know, some pretty bad dealings going on and stuff and not being able to pay out and, and, and things like that. But uh, certainly not near as many as the, as the online poker industry. And then as we're talking about the sports betting stuff, I would be dumbfound. I would be shocked if we ever hear any kind of story like anything that we heard in the poker and DFS industry, because it's just so regulated and so many licenses and so whatever, like if anything, sports betting is, is the safest and best when it comes to all of these different forms of things. People need to remember that when poker stars and full tilt were operating, they were offshore sites. They were not regulated like these sports betting sites like DraftKings and FanDuel are going to be regulated. So it's a very, very different game. So the, the comparisons just aren't there. Yeah, so if you again, if you want to check that article out, it is at theringer.com and take a look at it over there. All right, Brett, as usual, what do we got coming on at the lines and what do we have coming on at Play Picks? Well, certainly if you want to bet the uh, Belmont Sticks this week, we've got a lot of good content from our our buddy Jay uh, looking ahead to the, the well, looking ahead to the race on Saturday. Also at Play Picks, he's got his five best bets over there. And next week we've got the US Open, a lot of content coming up along with uh, much more on the NBA Finals. Look for a piece ahead of Game Four. Once uh, once they get through practices tonight, we'll have a lot, of, a lot more more information about who is going to be playing. Right now, I mean, it's just I don't know how you can <laughs> right. place a bet on this game right now because we just don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, we'll have more information on that probably around the same time this podcast goes live. So look for that on thelines.com. As we mentioned, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. All of the places that you listen to your podcast please go in please subscribe please rate please review let us know what you think about things at the lines us on twitter at play picks us on twitter if you want to follow brett you can get him at brett colson you can follow me at matt brown m2 for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week